0722-702-702. WhatsApp Googs Mushungu on 072-702-1702. It's 19 minutes after 9 o'clock. You are still on Night Talk, the Friday edition on Cape Talk and 702 with me, Googs Mushungu. Uh, quite an interesting conspiracy theory raised by uh, Mable in the After 9 report arguing that perhaps the current president of the country is behind uh, the Gupta leaks. And I wonder, how much do you believe of that theory? I just think it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't see what would be the benefit to him, particularly so late in the game. Uh, Surely it's the kind of thing, if you had this kind of information, this smoking gun, you want to use it a lot earlier in your presidency and not later, but maybe... You think there might be something there in Mable's crazy thoughts. You can give us a shout on 021-446-0567 or 011-883-0702. You can also send us your voice notes on the WhatsApp, uh, the 702 WhatsApp number on 072-702-1702. Your SMS is 31702 and 31567. Now, as always on a Friday evening, we uh, speak to a South African doing great things. And as mentioned earlier on this week, we're speaking to Dr. Dr. Corrine Henrico, who is a somatologist, but also the founder of the Women of Valor Inspirational Awards. And we're going to speak to her both about her academic work and the awards as well. And if you have some questions for the doc, you can also give us a call, 021-446-0567 and 011-883-0702. Dr. Henrico, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Good evening. Hi, it's a pleasure. So uh, tell us about the Women of Valor Inspirational Awards, which took place recently, actually. Yes, um, it took place a few weeks ago at the Batesy and Ritterplatz. Um So basically, Women of Valor is just a network where we get to motivate and connect um, women of the 21st century. I think one of my pet peeves is when women pull each other down. So that's why we started the network. And this year... Um, we started with the inspirational awards. So basically anyone of the community can be nominated by someone who thinks that they are inspirational. And then we do like, you know, like just nice stuff together. Like we go for a photo shoot, um, we get our makeup done and then we get together for a nice dress up event where we then just, you know, I don't want to say crown the most inspirational because I mean, all our nominees this year were absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so then um, we've got judges that judge them according to, you know, just criteria. And this year, Melissa Burtis won the Inspirational Awards. And she does fantastic work um, with the youth of South Africa, especially young girls trying mm-hmm. to uplift them. Mm-hmm. And so how long have the awards been been running? This is our first year. So this is our inaugural award ceremony that we had um, but Women of Valor we've been running from 2015 so we've been you know doing coffee dates here and there all over South Africa for a while now and when you then decided to create the awards I mean there's so many other awards that we have in the country I know there's the ShopRite Business Women of the Year awards there's the Boasa awards which gap did you see even though I think we do quite well what was still missing for you uh, in the award ceremonies the accolades that honor women in the country well for me it was more just to give recognition to those unsung heroes um, I believe that women and it's 
might just sound cliche, but I believe that women are the p- pillars of our society. And often we give so much of ourselves and it's not always recognized. So, I mean, anyone, like lit- anyone could be a nominee for the Inspirational Award. So it can be just for the work that you do within your small community or just for being an exceptional mother. Your children could have nominated you. And it was really just to celebrate being women. I mean, our nominees stem from entrepreneurs, um, businesswomen, to just everyday women doing what they think might be not much, but just inspiring people. Mm. So it's really just to give, you know, recognition to, like I say, the unsung heroes of, of South Africa. And in terms of your own work, um, the, uh, uh, the the work of public health, specifically somatology, was it... Uh, did you find that perhaps there were women in that space that were being uh, perhaps not recognized for the great uh, contribution? In a moment, I'll, I'll, you know, I want to get into more detail about your academic work, the work of somatology, but particularly in the science space, the sciences, health sciences. Did you find that there was also a huge need for this kind of um, uh, award, this kind mm. of network? Because it's not just the awards. It's also the network that's created out of uh, the people who become part of it. Was there a need for it in your particular field? Well, not necessarily only within health sciences. Um, like I said, more anyone can be nominated for it. But, I mean, if you look at women in general, I mean, um, we, I, I, I don't want to, you know, like, I love men. Like, I don't want to put men down. They've got a, a specific place within society. But we just give so much of ourselves. And even in a in a business environment, I mean, if you look at the statistics, Statistics, for instance, um, just in a, on an agricultural level, I think women only own 1% of the world's land, yet they plow about 80% of their income back into their household. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so even for working women, whether you're a working woman or whether you're a housewife, I mean, everything that we have, we build back into our house and into our families. And I think that was something that really sparked the interest for me. So it's not necessarily only from my space, but, you know, just women in general, whether whether it's a housewife that gives like 150% of her time for her family or whether it's a, an, a like career woman. But I mean, if I just pull it back to within my industry, which is so mythology, it's a female dominated industry and I mean I we see, I teach only girls we see so many women that come into our sphere whether it's for a massage or a facial or whatever that actually just want someone to listen to them and to listen to their stories and mm-hmm. you know like touch is possibly the most neglected basic human need um, and I always joke and I say that so our, our industry are one of the few that still grow in a recession um, and it's really just to connect women because, I mean, if you walk around in a mall, women are tired. They don't look after themselves. Um, there's always so, so many other things that we do with our time and our money then, you know, to put back into ourselves. And I always say that you cannot pour from an empty cup. Mm, so mm. it was really just to you know give some recognition you know where it's due mm. and 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 I'm glad you touched on the issue of wellness uh, and people looking after themselves because that's been that's quite a, a key uh, focus for for your 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 academic work 
or, or yeah. and, and that you're quite passionate about working with people, helping them reach um, their full potential. And your research focus uh, looks at individual wellness and positive psychology. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. So, so if you could tell us more about the field of somatology, what what is it? Well, basically somatology is um, the study of health and skin care. So um, we you'll find us in somatology clinics. So um, we're like a little bit more advanced than your normal dietitian. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we do, you know, like your advanced um, medical aesthetics, your advanced skin care, um, reflexology, manual lymph drainage and so forth. Um, in 2010, I'm, I finished my master's degree um, looking at self-management because we are in an industry, once again, where we give so much of ourselves. I mean, people will go to a salon and just expect that therapist to be okay. Um, we don't necessarily look at, you know, what's happening in their lives. So that's why I started looking at how these therapists self-manage themselves. And I always joke and I say, you know, like tongue in cheek, because this actually really happened to me when I did my hours. But let's say you whacked someone's brow off and you didn't make your target. So your boss is shouting at you and you broke up with your boyfriend or something ridiculous like that. Mm. And then if you th- your client's waiting for you in the reception area, you just have that capacity to just be the best version of yourself for that particular client. And that's what sparked the interest of self-management. And then I realized that unfortunately no one's teaching the therapist, which is normally young girls, how to look after themselves. Mm-hmm. Because we're in an industry where you look after so many other people. And then I embarked on my PhD studies at the University of Free State and I wrote a self-coaching program on how you can coach yourself well through a a positive psychology lens and during that time I realized that you know what it's not only our industry that struggles with this if you look at the police force if you look at academics Mm -hmm. if you look at most of the the careers within South Africa we all need that that's why I also believe that people go through burnout because, mm-hmm. I mean, no one's really looking after themselves. So, mm-hmm. yes, and then I was the one of the first somatologists within South Africa to actually have a PhD, so that was quite cool. <laughs> so on this issue of wellness, and I'm glad you also raised the, the point that so much of South African society is, is stressed and under duress, mm-hmm. and... And and in many ways, you kind of learn by error how to look after yourselves or you, you do what your parents did because Definitely. you think that was how uh, people looked after themselves. But particularly with people who work, um, you know, when you were doing your research, what are some of the ways that perhaps we don't realize that our wellness is not where it should be? And and is it also about the kind of spaces, the kind of work environments we're in? So you could be working for a really, really great company um, or running a business which you love. It's, in a, you know, in a space that you are passionate about, but be feeling terrible and burnt out or unwell. What aren't, what aren't we getting right here about individual wellness? And why does it then become important, particularly with your study that looks at, um, um, what was it called? A positive psychology. How does that Mm. help us? Well, I think the first thing that we get wrong is, I mean, we live in a society where everything's a quick fix. Um, You get bombarded by social media. And there's actually a thing that's called Photoshop syndrome. But I mean, that's a whole nother lecture on its own way. 
you compare your worst with someone else's best that they post on Instagram or on Twitter. So we've got this ideal of what it should be and striving to live up to that particular, you know, like picture that we paint for ourselves. And, you know, if you look at successful people, most of us strive to be, you know, there. But we forget ourselves in the process. And I think with the digital age that we are in, we just have so much more that we have to get to. We've got so much more things that we need to do. I mean, you have to be on your telephone or be reachable on your telephone almost 24-7. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. your parents are going to call the police and say that you're missing. So it puts so much more strain and stress on ourselves. And I mean, if you just look at wellness, it's a billion-dollar industry because most of us are getting it wrong because we forget to look at after ourselves. And my argument has always been and will most probably be that, you know, you, I don't need necessarily what you need and you don't need what I need. So it's about identifying your own needs for yourself and to say, you know, I, I need X, Y, and Z for myself to be well. And then getting the right structures and the right support in place to, you know, leverage yourself to a, to a, to an ideal wellness scenario. And the idea behind including the positive psychology within this is if I say to you, all right, so I've done your analysis, you suck with timekeeping. So you have to now keep a diary. Chances are that you're not going to do it. But if I say to you, you know what, you are very good with being on time, you know, like, getting up early, you leave the right time so you avoid the traffic, you know, that's great. So keep on doing that. Then you'll just be so much more open for change. And, you know, you also have the idea, which is true, that wellness isn't that unobtainable. So that's the idea of giving it the positive psychology slant. Aha. So there's this idea that uh, in many ways we accept that we can't be well. Often, often, because it's such an... You know, like I think when a lot of people start theorizing about stuff, they make it sound more difficult, Mm. if I can put it like that, which it's not necessarily needs to be. Mm. We're joined on the line by our South Africans doing great things this week, a somatologist, Dr. Uh, Karen Henrico, and also the founder of the Women of Valor Inspirational Awards. And if you have some questions for Dr. Henrico about wellness, particularly positive psychology, um, which is her research focus about individual wellness and how positive psychology can play a role there, we take your calls on 021-446-0567. You can also give us a call on 011-883-0702. Your SMS is on 31702 and your WhatsApp's on 31702. So, Dr. Enrico, how do you get into the space of somatology? At what age do you decide that this is what you want to do? Well, I think I probably fell into it by hook or by crook. Um, but, you know, I always believe that if you start something, you have to finish it. So when I was done with matric, I really wanted to do stage technology, but I didn't have arts. So obviously I didn't get into the course. And then my second love was makeup. So, you know, then I heard of this course that's got makeup in it. And I decided, well, I'll go study that because Mm -hmm. I wanted to slant over into stage makeup. Mm -hmm. And through, you know, through my first year, I actually fell in love with the industry of somatology and I don't think I'll ever change anything you know like say that I'll still want to go back into stage technology as was the initial plan but 
you know, it's awesome to be able to help people. You know, like it's amazing when you do someone's, you know, like permanent makeup when they walk out there and they feel beautiful and what that does to to their spirit and their soul and even their psyche is, you know, unmeasurable. So that's how I fell into it. And we teach somatology uh, at quite a few of our institutions. I know DUT has a course, mm. CPUT has a course. Um, you also do teaching at the University of Johannesburg in the Faculty of Health Sciences. When you decide to do a, a course, an undergraduate course, what do you learn? What do you get taken through? Because it's quite an interesting branch as well in that it includes some social sciences, so a bit of anthropology, there's a bit of physics, there's chemistry, there's botany. So it's quite an interesting study uh, of the human body. Yes, definitely. So within your first year, um, we focus mainly on the more aesthetical things, um, which will then be your makeup, your basic facials, Swedish massage, etc. And then from your second year, you start doing the more advanced things. So then we do the botany falls within your aromatherapy course. Um, that's a few years that you do that. So you'll start with like level one and then two in your third year. Um, reflexology as well, like I said previously. And um, then we build on the massage. So you'll do your your hot stone, your bamboo, um, Indian head massage, sports massage, etc. Um, and then in your third year, we'll be, well, obviously all the universities do it. It's slightly different with a different approach, but then you'll start with your manual lymph drainage, um, your electrical equipment, lasers, etc. Because, I mean, there's a lot of branches that you can go into. And I always say to the girls, if you study accountancy, then you're an accountant. That's what you're going to do. You're going to mm. work with numbers. But if you do something like somatology, there's so many branches that you can go into. You can decide whether you want to be a body therapist whether you want to be a facial therapist, um, I specialize mostly within permanent makeup and your advanced electrology, or you can go into medical aesthetics, um, work with doctors, more on the aesthetic appeal. So it's, it's an exciting industry to be a part of. And there's so many advances, especially with technology and the, the way it's moving more towards medical aesthetics now is very exciting. So it's a very nice yet to be in because you can find your own little niche um, I mean one of my friends who owns the brow bar she does brows and that's her niche and she's absolutely fantastic with brows mm-hmm. so yes it's very exciting because I mean you can shift and change as the mood will be. So when we speak about aesthetic medicine is that about the treatment of essentially how I look? Well Medical aesthetics, you work in a medical team, so you'll have your nurses, your plastic surgeons, your GPs that will do the Botox, etc. But the role of a thermatologist within that team will be to prep the skin, to look at your post, your pre as well as post um, skin care. A lot of chemical peels fall within that sphere, your laser, um, not resurfacing, that's more for your your, um, plastic surgeons, but... You know, just like your um, micro-needling, all of that falls within that medical sphere. So you get quicker results um, than just the the beauty aspect of it. And is it very expensive to study uh, somatology? Because Archie Mudiba on Twitter saying most people that have paid thousands of rand studying somatology uh, are struggling to find jobs as companies uh, try to go for people who are uh, who work for less. 
um, or for cheaper. So, I mean, mm. what is the opportunity in the space? I think it all depends on where you studied. Obviously, you get modular courses where you can do the course for you know, like a few months, so you'll do, let's say, a two-month course on facial or a two-month course on massage. Then you get your private institutions and then you get your um, universities. The qualification at a university is so much better, so you can obviously then do your BTEC, except I don't know if I'm just biased because that's where I work, but you can do your BTEC, your master's, and then obviously for, you know, like articulate within a PhD. The fees is also a lot less at a university than a private institution. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the industry does have its predicaments where um, you often, and it's more about uneducated people that have a salon or that open a salon who does not really know the industry well, um, they'll try to pay a two-month course versus a, a student or a person with a BTEC degree the same amount. But it's about standing on your rights. And obviously, by the time that you get to a bachelor's degree, you've got enough behind you to maybe open your own clinic. Um, and I think that what, that's what sets you apart. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, I mean, how many professionals are there in the space? So, for instance, in the, I guess, the somatology, the health and wellness industry, it's quite a big one. And I mean, if you walk mm. into any mall, uh, if you're in any kind of CBD or town, you're likely to find people who are offering those services. But how much of it is people who've had the opportunity to, to you know, train professionally? Um, and do we then see a lot of injury and uh, mistakes and um, perhaps irreparable damage? Because, you know, a, a lot of people don't have the opportunity or don't even know that you can study this. Mm, I think... You know, I don't want to say with like most domains or, you know, like they, obviously there is a, a, a injury, I can't get exactly the right word, but I think it's the public's, you know, it's their right to ask for, for a therapist that has a specific qualification. And I mean, whether if you go for laser, for instance, obviously there's more of a risk make sure that the person that's treating you with the laser is qualified within that particular therapy. Um, unfortunately, we do not have a regulatory body such as the Health Professions Council that regulates the medical profession. So you do get those dodgy people, you know, lurking around. So if you are a consumer or a client, make sure that you've got someone with the relevant accolades that's working on you because you can say that, you know, I'm not going to go to this person for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I mean, we've seen quite some scary things, especially when it comes to the medical aesthetic sphere, mm -hmm. where people get burned with lasers, um, like your skin types five and six, for instance. Sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, and the opportunity for men in the space, I mean, very often we know women make up the bulk of the people in the space. But in terms of the people who come and do the courses, the people you teach, are we seeing more men, young men get involved? Well, we've had about three men that graduated the course. Uh, so, I mean, if you look at it statistically in relation to the girls, it's not that much. But there is definitely a growing trend for male clients. And, I mean, even some of the, the chain salons now started opening male salons that mm -hmm. only cater for men clientele. 
So there's definitely a sphere for men within this industry. You're in the process of opening up your own um, business, um, a consultancy business um, aimed at allowing individuals to, I guess, facilitate their own wellness. Who would be able to, I mean, who was this targeted at? As I Am I as an ordinary person perhaps who wants to learn more about wellness or who's tried everything and I'm still not feeling, you know, as best as I could? Am I your target market? Who is this aimed at? Well, that's like an, you know, like an ideal within the pipeline. So basically what I've done is I've done some courses um, at our winter school on this where I just teach some of the students how to look after themselves. But I mean, if companies would like me to come in and talk to their employees, it's fine. You know, that's possibly the main dream that I'm working towards. But even on a on an individual, you know, basis, it's something that, that's open. But right now I'm looking at creating, that's like my next little bit of research, is to create an app that you can download because, I mean, people can't be, you know, only, I don't know where my English has gone to, but I mean, I'm not supposed to be the be all and end all in wellness. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to have an app or something that people can access easily that can assist them with their individual wellness. And I've, I've had this conversation so many times where I don't want to do a workbook because no one carries books around anymore but everyone's carrying their phone around mm-hmm. so it's just so much more accessible and if someone's looking to get in touch with you perhaps to find out more about uh, the field of somatology is there a way to contact you to have an email address um, I can give you my email address um, so it's Karin with a K okay. so it's K-A-R-I-E-N-R at U-J dot A-C dot Z-A um, especially if they want to find me for somatology related things, they can just go onto the University of Johannesburg website, mm-hmm. Faculty of Health Sciences. All our information is there. Um, if it's with regards to Women of Valor, we do have a website, which is womenofvalor.co.za, as well as on Facebook. That's uh, Dr. Karin Henrico, lecturer at the Faculty of Health Science at UJ, uh, as well as the founder of uh, the Women of Valor Inspirational Awards. Uh, Karin, thank you very much for joining us this evening. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time. And of course, we take your calls on 021-446-0567 and 011-883-0702, as well as your SMSs, your WhatsApps on 072702 when we come back.